0: hi and welcome to the teachings of co-church we want to grow in our relationship with jesus and help you to do the same we are passionate about real community so please reach out to us and connect by visiting our website www.co-church.org or joining us in person every sunday as we gather we hope this talk is helpful Morning Co-Church. So wonderful to be with you in these initial uh, stages of your growth and development. I don't know if any of you are feeling a little bit overwhelmed as we hear about statistics and we hear about Ukraine and we just think, here we are, we are supposed to be a blessing, and yet I've entitled my message today, Blessed Insufficiency. Sometimes it just feels like we don't have enough. We don't have enough to give. How many of you would put up your hand and say, I've got more time than I need. I've got more money than I need, but more energy than I need. Not so many of us. My weekend, our weekend as a family, let me just explain to you very quickly. We have uh, one of our sons who's not here. He was doing KZN Athletics in Peter Maritzburg on Friday and Saturday. And today he's doing KZN Swimming in Kings Park in Durban. We have a daughter who's also not here, who was in South Durban for ballet on Friday night and South Durban for ballet on Saturday morning. Also another one doing water polo at Glenwood. Boys playing cricket all over Durban North and across the city. I promise you, we are just limited. We're limited. We don't have all the time that we need. We're limited by being unable to be in more than one place at once. This is an unhelpful limitation that God has put on us and time and space has put on us. And I promise you, we are limited by the amount of petrol money that we have compared to the amount of petrol money that we need. And I wonder if you can identify with that, this feeling of being a little bit insufficient, blessed insufficiency. Is it a curse or is it a blessing? I have been practicing a way of encountering Jesus in the last few weeks. Uh, the worship, one of the worship leaders brought uh, that Psalm, Psalm 23. And it starts off with, sorry, I don't know your name. Steve. Steve brought um, Psalm 23. And the Psalm starts off that he brought, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And I've been practicing that, like closing my eyes and picturing the fields, picturing the pastures, going into it, seeing the water, and then seeing Jesus and going to him. But then this weekend, I tried to do that, and I felt like I just couldn't get in because I was so busy. I couldn't even enter into the vision that I was trying to have, and Jesus came out and held my hand and pulled me right into the vision because it says there, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Jesus is looking to bring us into rest. He's looking to help us to be blessed, actually, by our insufficiency And so I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert that the way that insufficiency is a blessing, the way that we become a blessing to the world is to understand, to accept the idea that we are not the source. We are a conduit of blessing. I do not have enough time. I do not have enough energy. I do not have enough money. We do not have everything that we need, but... We can be connected to the source of all things. I brought you a little illustration. What is that called? Like a um... <laughs> no. no. What, is an, what is an illustration called? When I'm, I'm, I'm giving you like a prop? Yeah, I'm going doing prop talks today. So if you look at this, this is obviously made to be a conduit. Shame. One of our boys did cut, all, cut it off of a perfectly good hose pipe this morning. <laughs> so it's no longer a very good, not, not connected to the source anymore. I know Richard disciplined me in the car. He was like, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> but for this to be a conduit, it needs to have three things that are true of it. It needs to be empty. It can't be blocked. It can't be full. It needs to be empty. Secondly, I've illustrated this with the little bandage. It needs to be held together. It needs to be supported. It can't be empty for emptiness sake and just be unable to to be supported and to be helped. It must be supported and helped to be able to withstand the flow. And thirdly, obviously, it is completely useless unless it is connected to the source. So we need to be... I'll leave this up here for your visual enjoyment and illustration... We need to be empty, we need to be held, and we need to be connected to the source. I wanted to tell you a story of a friend of mine, uh, Zanele, who tells a story of not being enough and not having enough. So Zanele uh, has been, was married to a man, Kolani, and Kolani has this uncanny habit of bringing children home to stay. So he has, between uh, the two of them, they have raised 10 children besides their own. And it goes like this. A boy will arrive at their home. She tells one story of a boy arriving. He had been living on the streets, um, and Kulani wasn't there. So Zaneli said, oh, okay, you can wait for him. He's arrived with a with a tog bag. And she she gives him breakfast, and Kulani's still out. She gives him lunch. And then Kulani comes home, and she says, this is how it always goes. A private conversation happens between the two of them. And then after an hour or so, he calls Zanele to the bedroom, <laughs> and she knows that this is the moment that he is going to present the case to her, and he tells her the whole story of this child and where he's going and what he might become, and then he says, Zanele, do we have the space for this boy in our home? She says that without, without social grants, they have raised 10 children in addition to their own, and they have always found that God has provided They live in Kwamashu, and money is not abundant within within themselves, and yet somehow God has always provided. Three years ago, at the same Christmas when Kiara had her accident, our daughter, uh, Zanile's best friend, Slee, went into a coma after childbirth. Shortly after that, her sister passed away. She still, They still had four children of their own living with them. The other 10 had been raised and, and had were in their own homes by then. Her sister passed away and she inherited her four children. So she now had eight children and had had two major losses in her life. And then her husband died. And she says to me in a voice note, I was asking her if I could retell her story and I've got her voice note on my phone and she says, I was very anxious, Jackie, raising eight children on my own. And the Bible tells you not to be anxious, but I was. She was honest. She says, and I had depression, losing my husband, we were one. And now I had to raise eight children without him. She says, I was depressed for two weeks, she says. (laughs) For two weeks. And then she said, but God is good. He has provided. That was now two years ago. She says, God has provided everything that we need and I'm full of joy and provision and it hasn't been easy. I've suffered depression. I've suffered anxiety. I've suffered insufficiency. And yet somehow this woman has found this inexplicable connection to a source that is completely sufficient and seems to have unending supply of love, unending supply of energy, unending supply of finances in the most difficult circumstances. Have you discovered the source that she has discovered? The source of unending supply. Israel goes on a journey in um, into the Exodus story we've uh, heard briefly. They go on a journey and they go from a people who in slavery, slavery seems to produce people who cower and complain. But as they've gone into freedom, the combination of freedom and hardship has produced a people who are warriors, and they are overcoming So cities and nations, this, this, these people who used to be cowering complainers and they're still complaining. They're on a journey. God is taking them on a journey of emptying them and holding them together so that they can learn to be a conduit of blessing to the nation because that is, to the nations because that is what they are called to be. And during this time, as they're being trained, in fact, we, we read in the Psalms that God trains our hands for battle, that Our arms can bend a bow of bronze. Our God is so strong that he enables us to scale a wall. God is not just our strength. He is our strength and our trainer into strength. And God is doing this for Israel. And during that time, there is another man actually that I want to speak about who becomes a conduit of blessing to Israel and his name is Balaam. He was a prophet, a pagan prophet, uh, but seemed to have connection to the real God. And one of the Moab is afraid. They're a nation. They're watching this nation. Literally, uh, the scripture says, they're licking up the other nations like, like a wild ox licks up the fields. They're going to destroy us. Uh, how can we fight against them? And so the king Balak calls Balaam, who is a prophet, and says, will you please come and prophesy over these people and curse them? Because I don't, we're terrified they're going to destroy us. And so he sends his messengers to Balaam and Balaam waits on God and says, no, I'm not going to come with you. Uh, that God does not want to curse them. They are his people. Uh, but they don't give up. He, they keep sending envoys to go to this prophet to say, you have to come and help us. So he decides to go along and help them. He is the great seer, the great prophet of the of the area and of the day. And on his way, he's riding his faithful donkey that he always goes on everywhere. And on his way, his donkey veers off the road into a field. And Balaam whips his donkey, gets him back onto the road and carries on. And then a second time, he's going through between two walls and the donkey pulls right over to the side so that he crushes Balaam's foot against one of the walls. And Balaam Cannot figure out what is wrong with his donkey today. And so he whips him again and they carry along. And then there's quite a narrow passageway and there's nowhere for the donkey to veer to the right or the left. And so the donkey just lies down and refuses to go any further. And Balaam whips his donkey and then his donkey starts to speak to him. And his donkey says to him, I have been your donkey for how long? And have I ever let you down before? I can see that you cannot go any further. And with that... Balaam's eyes are opened and he realizes that there is an angel warrior in front of him who is about to destroy him because he is going to curse the people of God who God has blessed. And so Balaam realizes in that moment that he, the great seer, his donkey sees better than him. He has failed in his job. He's unable to be the great seer. And he realizes in that moment of failure, in that moment of being humbled, that unless God puts words in his mouth, he's actually nothing. Unless he's a conduit, he has nothing to give. And so he agrees to carry on, but under the, under the promise that he will only say, the words that God gives him to say. And so he goes to Balak and he says, I'm here to I'm here to help, uh, but I can only say these words. In numbers 22 verse 38, Balaam says to Balak, behold I have come to you. Have I now any power of my own to speak anything? The word that God puts in my mouth, that must I speak. I think when we understand our own insufficiency, we slower to commit to fulfilling the needs around us because we realize we have nothing to give. If we think we the source, we end up over committing and we end up thinking that we are the hope of the world, that we are able to solve the problems around us when we are blessedly insufficient. And so Balaam realizes that although he... He is a conduit of blessing, and he's going to bring great blessing. He cannot bring anything in and of himself. We are those who wait. We are not those who overcommit. I can just imagine that moment in the bedroom with Polani and Zanele. What's it going to be? Can the child stay? Just a moment of sanity, a moment of the Lord is my shepherd, a moment of he makes me lie down. What do you have for us, God? What do you have for this child? If you say that we have enough for this child, then he's in. We can do it. In and of themselves? No. But if God says, yes, this one, then it's yes, this one, and he will provide. He will provide the love in your heart. He will provide the energy. He will provide the time. He will provide the finances, and he has done that countless times. He has done that in the story of Zaneli. That is her testimony. I did not have enough, and yet God has been good, and he has provided, and we will not be in want. We are not afflicted by insufficiency. We are blessed by it. Pete Zero talks about the gift of limitations. That is, It is a gift to us when we realize that we do not have everything, that we do not have everything that the world needs. When we realize that we are limited by time and space, that our finances are limited, that our energy is limited, that we are not going to get to live everywhere in the world and do everything and do all the jobs and have all the kids and marry all the people and all the things that you want. We just have limitations, when we realize that it enables us to be empty, which is a jolly good start to becoming a conduit of blessing. We're emptied by failure. We're emptied by hardship. we emptied by suffering. We're emptied by facing our insufficiencies. These things empty us and enable us to start to become a conduit of blessing. And so Balaam, speaks a blessing over Israel. He stands up on a high place and does all his sacrifices and the things that he needs to do. And then he just starts blessing Israel. Balak is not very happy with that. He says, just, just don't say anything. Please don't curse or bless. You are not doing what I'm paying you to do at all. And Balaam just starts blessing the people of Israel. He calls them beautiful. Ironically, while he is doing this, While he is blessing them, this is happening in uh, Numbers 22, 23, 24, Numbers 21 speaks about Israel complaining so badly that they a death plague is sent amongst them of fiery serpents. And at the end of all this blessing is a time when they are in such bad rebellion that one of their leaders has to come and drive a spear through a man and woman who are having it on that shouldn't be having it on. All right. So there is just... Wickedness and evil and complaining and an inability to follow God happening down there and up above without Israel knowing, friends, they are being blessed by God while they are cursing, while they are failing, while they are hopelessly insufficient to be a blessing to the world. Hopelessly insufficient. God is blessing them. God is calling out their destiny. God is calling them beautiful. He says, look at their tents. Look at them. Look how beautiful they are. Look how they are the hope of the nations. And Balaam just blesses them as Balak has a little fit in the corner. <laughs> Numbers 24 verse 8. Balak says this is one of, I mean, Balaam says this is one of his blessings. Blessings. God brings him out of Egypt and is for him like the horns of the wild ox. I don't know if you know a wild ox's horns, but they are bigger than I am. It is a picture of incredible strength. The, the one animal that just cannot be attacked, even by a pride of lions, because it is so dangerous. And God is for them. God is for those rebellious people, those uh, hopelessly insufficient people he is for them like the horns of the wild ox i spoke about that freedom together with hardship, is forming these people into warriors. And it's true, they are complaining and they are a little bit hopeless, but they're also being formed into this this people that will become a blessing. And while that's happening, the the battles they fight, going from a nation of slaves who cower and complain, the battles that they fight are are incredible, to the point where the Moab king is shivering in his boots and says they're licking up the countryside. These people are such strong warriors, and yet... Whenever they go out into battle without God's call and without God's blessing, they fail terribly. And so we get this picture as we look over the story that God is a little bit like a personal trainer who's helping you, spotting you when you're lifting weights, but he's taking 85, 95% of the weight, you know, and he's saying, very good, you guys are amazing, such beautiful tents, so strong, so victorious, but he's doing all the heavy lifting, and so Balaam sees that and he says, God is for them like the horns of the wild ox. He is protecting them. That is for me a picture of being held as we are empty. Yes. Yes, God will empty you, but He also holds you. He'll also make you able, make you protected, make you supported. So every time Israel goes through these hardships and difficulties, they're being emptied. But every time God comes through for them, God wins battles for them, God provides for them, they are being held, emptied and held, destined to become conduits of blessing. Finally, in, um, numbers 24, I'm going to read a bit before it comes on screen. It's the final oracle, the final prophecy. He's prophesied three times at, uh, Balak's request. Balak keeps hoping for him to turn around, but he doesn't. And at this point, Balak has said, please, like, seriously, I'm not paying you. You really are not very good at this. And, um, and you can go now. And he says, before I go. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to your nation and what's going to happen to this nation that you've asked me to curse. And he speaks the most significant prophecy of all as he sees the future of Israel. He took up his discourse and said this, the oracle of Balaam, the son of Buah, the oracle of the man whose eye is opened. He's gone from a person whose donkey sees better than him to being a true seer, a true conduit of blessing where he is able to see. The oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. There's a sense of holiness in this moment. And look what he sees. You can put on now. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. He sees right through to the future of Israel, to the one who will rise up, the ruler, the one who is able to bless, the only one who is a source within himself, our Jesus. The only one who is without limitations, who is completely able, completely sufficient to be a blessing. He sees all the way through to Jesus. And generations later, Jesus, in his only recorded sermon, would speak about blessing. That's how, what he preaches about. And he says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. Why? Because he, re- he knows that those of us who understand that we do not have enough, that we are blessedly insufficient, those of us who can identify with the poor, not a sermon telling you to be kind to those other people who are the poor. A message that says, blessed are you when you understand that you are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Yours is complete sufficiency. Yours is more and more than you need, more than enough, more time, more energy, more love, more finances, more than enough. Yours is the sufficiency of God. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the entire kingdom of God. And ironically, or not ironically, ideally, because God is so clever, that word blessed in English comes from a word "blotsion," blutzion, or if it comes from German, Blottison, But the root word is the same word as blood, blessed by blood. You are blessed when somebody bleeds for you. You bless others. You are a blessing to others when you are willing to bleed for them. But we are those who bleed out, friends. We are those who burn out. We are those who do not have enough, but if we are empty and if we are held, we are able to be connected to the source, the one who did not bleed out, but when he died was able to rise again and keep bleeding for the nations. To this day, Jesus is able to be a completely sufficient source of blood, a completely sufficient source of life, and as he bleeds into us, We are able to be a conduit of blessing, constantly giving more than we have, constantly giving life into the world around us. Drinking his blood is not something that we like to talk about when people are new in the church or they maybe are not used to church language that's the church people who are bothered by it. Actually, the popular culture is not at all bothered by it. Turn on Netflix and you'll see every second show is a vampire show or a warrior show. The world understands bleeding for the sake of those you love. The world understands even to the point of giving over your neck to a vampire who you're in love with, giving your life blood for the sake of someone else. The world gets that that blood is life, and that when you give someone blood, you give them your very self. What the world does not get and does not know is there is one who will bleed everything, give his entire life blood for us, and never run out. Amen. Friends, we are blessedly insufficient. When we hear about the needs of the world, when we, about, when we hear about the statistics, when we hear about the wars, we are blessedly insufficient. We are unable to be everything the world needs. But the church is the hope of the world, but we're not the source of the hope. The church is the hope of the world, but we're not the source of the hope. We do not have to feel like a towel being wrung out in order to give just a little bit more. But we're able to be empty, to be held, to be connected to the one who will never run out of lifeblood for the people around us. So to just close off with this little hosepipe, I think too often when we, when we, picture, uh, when we picture a pipe, when we picture our lives and we don't want to be empty, we try and block this end. We try and hold something in. We think if I can just hold it together enough down here, then it'll be okay. But the truth is we're worried about the wrong end. We will bleed out, but we will remain connected to lifeblood, and we can go on and on and on. If you lost track of how many children Zanele has, don't worry, I have two. I'm not sure if it's 10 or 18 or a few more than that, because every time she tells a story, I'm a little bit confused because she counts like this, and there's just this inexplicable sufficiency. There's this inexplicable connection to a source that has enough, enough money, Enough time, enough energy, enough love for one more person, one more boy, one more girl. And so that is what we do as the church, friends. We stay connected, we remain empty, and we are actually able to be the hope of the world, to be a blessing into the world. Amen. If you have any questions about today's teaching or anything else, please email us on hello at co-church.org or visit us on our website on www.co-church.org. We gather in person every Sunday here in Mkhlali on the north coast of Kozulu Natal and you are so welcome to join us.